0: Hey everyone, this is David McBee with the Twin Lakes Sports Network, and welcome back for another exciting edition of This is the XFL 2020. I'm so glad to have each and every one of you joining us this week. I want to throw a quick shout out to all the fans and say thank you so much. Last week we were rated number 24 in the Apple Podcast ratings, and we couldn't do that without each and every one of you guys tuning in, telling your friends about us, leaving us a nice rating, and we really appreciate it. Going to be an exciting episode as this week a lot happened with Week Four in the XFL, and we're going to discuss attendance. We're going to discuss ratings, also a game by game breakdown, and then we're going to do pickums for Week Five right here on This Is the XFL 2020. This- Going into week four of the XFL, there was a lot lot to be determined this week. We were watching very closely as this young league, almost to the halfway point of their first season, uh, watching what was going to happen with attendance, ratings. Those are very important things that were really being watched this week because especially when it came to TV ratings, we've seen kind of a steady decline. However, the one good sign through the first three weeks in this young league was the attendance was going up every week. However, as we spoke on our last episode, some concerns going into week four, and a lot of it had to do with the particular matchups that were on the schedule. A home game in New York, a home game in Tampa, both of those teams really struggling uh, to put a good team out on the field. Uh, the bright spot we knew hey St Louis was going to deliver those the fans in St Louis caca ca they are just absolutely delivering, so not a lot of question marks there Dallas question marks is what was going are they going to continue to pick up a pretty good following? Are we going to see growth there so a lot of question marks. And I think a lot of question marks were answered in week four. And the most important thing to me, if you're starting off a young football league, you are not going to be successful unless you do one thing. And that is got to have butts in seats. you got to have someone every 18 inches sitting in the stands because if you don't have people coming to the game and watching it, It's not going to be a successful league. So attendance is so critical to the success of this league. And despite the question marks, still a solid week on attendance. In week four, a little over 70,000 people attended the four XFL games. So remember week one, they only had 69,000. So you had more people attend week four of the league than the opening weekend. Usually the opening weekend of a brand new league is when everyone wants to get that hot ticket. So I think that is a very good sign right there. Yes, it was down over 10,000 compared to the previous week. But the previous week you had home games in St. Louis, which drew almost 30,000 wild Battlehawk fans. And then also you had Seattle. The Dragons had another game. They had over 20,000. So those two franchises are really carrying the league right now. But overall, I mean, attendance season to date right now through week four, They're averaging 19,000 fans per game. Almost 300,000 people have attended an XFL game. So there's some really good signs there. And this last week in week four, St. Louis, they were down a little bit from their previous week. But they were still, it was the third most attended game in XFL history so far. And St. Louis is just killing it. I mean, it's a great visual. I love watching the Battle Hot games because it's just a fantastic visual when you look up and you see a stadium full of people. And, I mean, granted, it is the bottom tier, the bottom bowl of the stadium, but that's all that they're opening up. So uh, it's just a fantastic visual. Dallas, hey, the Dallas field I thought looked really good. Dallas ended up going up 1,000 in attendance this last week. However, the two concerns, and we talked about this last week, New York and Tampa, New York was down about 5,000 from their opening weekend, and Tampa also down about 5,000. And I think a lot of that is because, honestly, the teams going into this last week, New York was going in at 1-2, and two, but it was a 1 and 2 that was ugly. They 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 were just completely imploding with uh, Matt McGloin, the former raider who I'm renaming the New York Crybaby. Uh, I think New York has found someone who can do a much better job at signal caller than Matt McGloin. Uh, so I think it was hard for them to draw fans those the you know this last week going in. However, they might have found something that might salvage their season with quarterback Luis Perez, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Tampa Bay also going in at 0-3, quarterback controversy. Uh, Quentin Flowers upset. He you know left the team because he's not getting any playing time. Uh, and he was a fan favorite in the league. Uh, you know, Aaron Murray, he was supposed to play. He ends up not playing. But Tampa ends up having an incredible performance. It might have salvaged their season as well. However, I think their performance in the first three weeks impacted the attendance in week four. But... Yeah, there's there's some cities that are struggling attendance wise, but overall for the league, I think that's the main thing. You gotta look at the overall number. They're averaging close to twenty thousand people. If you would have said to Oliver Luck and Vince McMahon before the league started and say, "Hey, by week four, you're going to be averaging nineteen thousand fans for the season," they would be happy with that. Because remember the AAF, the AAF started to tank in week four. They averaged you know over nineteen thousand in their week one about 19,000 in week two, they were looking solid, and then they just fell off the face of the earth. By week four, their attendance dropped below 10,000 people per game. So the XFL, while being down, you know, and that's what all these – you know, sites on online that want the XFL to fail are going to say, well, attendance is down. That's all you see in the headlines. Attendance is down in big letters. Yeah, it's down, but you have to really understand what's going on with the league. And overall, the league is doing much better than anticipated. And I think if you have a week where you have two of your weaker franchise hosting games, your numbers are going to be down a little bit. But – Overall, I wouldn't push the panic button. It's still higher than week one, still some pretty good positives. And so far, I would have to say uh, the XFL has to be happy with their attendance. Of course, uh, ratings also just came out today. And the XFL television ratings, unfortunately, did drop for the third straight week. Uh, They dropped from an average of 1.6 million uh, to an average of 1.4 million uh, this last week. However, the XFL's goals in Season 1 was to have about 1.5 million watching the games. Uh, Overall, if you look at the numbers Saturday actually was pretty good. Uh, The game on ABC, which was at New York, uh, 1.5 million uh, watched that game. So it reached the goal that they had kind of set. The later game later that day at Fox, which to me was one of the better games of the week, especially visually when you see all those crazy Battlehawk fans, Um, the St. Louis game on Fox drew 1.8 million. The struggle on ratings this week was tied specifically to the games on Sunday. Uh, the first game, which was probably the best game of the week, the Roughnecks and Renegades, best game of the week was on FS1, 1.1 million, so a big drop on Sunday uh, with the Roughnecks and Renegade game. A lot of that, I think, can be attributed to the game was on FS1. Uh that is not you know if it's on Fox if it's on ABC ESPN I think you're going to get higher ratings if it's on ESP ESPN2 uh, or FS1 or one of those channels I think your ratings are going to be a little bit lower so uh significant drop which is kind of disappointing that was one of the better games uh the game on ESPN ESPN2 later that night the defenders uh, went into the Vipers, and it, was, it wasn't it was a pretty game, guys. Uh, on ESPN2, just a little over a million, but, I mean, it was a blowout. The defenders' offense has just completely disappeared in the last two weeks. So a good day on Saturday, but Sunday is what really ultimately pulled down the overall average. But still 1.4 million, a just a slight drop uh, compared to the previous week. Uh, Right now, still about half of what they were in week one. But, you know, I wanted to do a comparison because, you know, I'm reading the headlines, like I mentioned on attendance, and they say, oh, ratings are dropping, ratings are dropping. Well, how does the ratings for this new league compare to some of the other sports they were competing against this last weekend? So, for a comparison, the NBA games that aired uh, this weekend on those uh, major channels, 23 So that's not much higher than what the XFL was getting, XFL 1.4. So about a million more people tuned in for the NBA that's been around forever. Uh, NCAA averaged uh, 1.9 compared to the 1.4 for the XFL. PGA 1.7 compared to 1.4 for the XFL. The NFL Combine drew less than a million viewers. So if you really break it down... Their ratings are not much different than a lot of the really estab- established established leagues. Of course, it's not going to get the ratings of the NFL, but I think uh, Vince still has to be happy with. It. I know that goal is kind of a one point five. Uh, it's kind of what they're shooting for. Uh, didn't quite make it this last week, but I think the matchups, like like with the attendance, the matchups had something to do with it. I think it really hurt having the Guardian game. Uh, just because the Guardians offense, they, they while they did get a victory, it was not a very pretty game. It was still an ugly game offensively. Um, the Fox game, I think when you have that St. Louis game, I think the crowd and then the throwing Samoa and Jordan Tamaru looking fantastic. I think that really helped drive the rating. I think FS1 is why the rating was lower on Sunday with the Roughnecks and Renegades. Uh, the ESPN2 game, I mean, the defenders just – when. when you're losing twenty-five to nothing to an zero and three team, and you haven't scored a point in the last two weeks. That's a tough game to tune in. And I'll be honest with you, I actually kind of fast-forwarded through that game on my DVR. I watched all the other three games all the way through, but that one I fast-forwarded because it was it was a, just a tough game to watch. So, but overall, I think. Week 4, got to be happy, just slightly down. Week 5 is going to be critical that that the XFL has to try to maintain that rating of 1.5 this next week. But overall, slight drop, but nothing to push the panic button on that either. Same as attendance. Well, we've talked enough about numbers. Now it's time to talk about what happened on the field this last weekend as it started off in New York as the Guardians Coming into the game one and two in the season, but just absolutely imploding in their last two games, taking on Winston Moss and the Los Angeles Wildcats. And the Guardians had a new quarterback under center, quarterback Luis Perez. You might recognize him from the Alliance of American Football. Of course, he's also known as the guy who learned how to play quarterback by watching YouTube videos. And Perez, he didn't exactly light up the stat sheet, but he was able to lift New York's offense just enough as they ended up getting the victory 17-14. Of course, early in the game, they fell behind 6-3 to to the Wildcats. Perez then engineered two consecutive scoring drives with the second one, a three-yard touchdown pass to Mikkel McKay the throw for it's caught Touchdown Michael McKay Working over Harlan Miller For the New York touchdown And the Guardians jump back on top So Perez Delivered the touchdown pass And got his team off to a great start Perez ended up doing most of his Damage early, he was 12 out of 18 126 yards In the first half Second half only had 24 yards passing But The running game took over for the Guardians as Darius Victor had 82 yards on 18 carries as the rushing attack ended up chipping in with 122 yards uh, and with Victor leading the way. Of course, Los Angeles coming in, starting to get their offense rolling under quarterback Josh Johnson. He was able to move the ball against the Guardians' defense. He went 25 for 40 for 330 yards and two touchdowns, including a beautiful 42-yard dime to Saeed Blacknall that, combined with the two-point conversion, tied it at 14 in the third quarter. However, a costly interception in the fourth quarter when his pass to Trey McBride went too high and Jamar Summers was able to grab it. That ended up setting New York up with great field position on its own 45-yard line looking to take the lead. The Guardians went 26 yards on 8 plays, set up Matthew McCrane for what turned out to be the game-winning 47-yard field goal with 10 minutes and 52 seconds to play. But Los Angeles had chances going down the stretch. Johnson connected with McBride for 44 yards on the Wildcats first offensive play after New York took the lead and they were set up at first down from the Guardians 26 yard line however Nick Novak the former NFL kicker missed a 44 yard field goal and the Guardians forced a turnover on downs on New York or Los Angeles's next possession and New York got it run the clock out, and got the victory and now go to 2-2 two and two on the season while the Los Angeles Wildcats will fall to 1-3. But I think more importantly, some stability shown at the quarterback position with Luis Perez. He was much very similar to how he was in the AAF. He didn't really have massive games in the AAF, but he was solid and he was consistent. They just needed some consistency because McGloin – Absolutely not getting it done. So it will be interesting. McGloyne, of course, who was out with an injury, when he gets back, are they going to keep Perez a starter? I think Kevin Gilbride's going to do it because I think they have a strong running game and they just need a quarterback that's not going to make mistakes. And of course, Perez did have a really long touchdown pass, should have been a touchdown pass that was dropped. That probably would have been about 70 60 to 70 yards. So he could make the plays but a big victory for new york it salvages their season and now they go to 2 and 2 and the wildcats are in trouble as now they fall to 1 and 3 on the season and winston moss by the end of the game he looked like he was just ready to implode so it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with the wildcats the second game of the week was the St. Louis Battlehawks being visited by the Seattle Dragons and the Battlehawks ended up pulling out a big victory 23 to 16 over the Dragons thanks to the throwing Samoan Jordan Tamau he racked up 264 yards passing, 63 yards rushing, and threw his fifth touchdown of the season when he connected with Demorne Pearson L from 27 yards out for the first score of the game. For the first time, they pull it back and another completion all the way into the end zone. Easy touchdown, St. Louis. Demorne Pearson L with the home folks. Pearsonell had his best game of the season: 71 yards uh, pat on receptions, a touchdown, and. He was tomorrow's go-to weapon when the Battle Hawks needed to make a play. And St. Louis was in complete control throughout the first half, taking a 17-3 lead into intermission on Keith Ford's run into the end zone on an option from 13 yards out. However, the second half, Seattle started to come to life, thanks in part to a change in quarterback. Head coach Jim Zorn finally pulled Brandon Silvers, the former Memphis Express AAF quarterback and replaced him in the third quarter. Silvers was four out of ten for 27 yards. And he's had a couple games like this through the season where he's just really struggled and then was bailed out with a big play at the end. But the move to B.J. Daniels completely changed the game. Daniels provided the sparks the Dragon offense has desperately needed. While if you look at his stat line for the second half, it doesn't look great. 5 of 10, 100 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But his ability to run and throw made the game close. And B.J. Daniels was bringing the energy. The only mistake Daniels made late in the fourth quarter Seattle was trying to tie the score. He tried to hit Austin Prohl over the middle on a third and 20, but safety Will Hill was able to snatch the air out of the pass for the interception. And St. Louis is now the second team with three wins, joining the undefeated Houston Roughnecks, who are now 4-0. and The Battle Hawks at 3-1 are now in sole position possession of first place in the East Division, as D.C. ended up losing their game later and was 2-2. and But the Battle Hawks are showing they are going to be a team to beat. They got a great home field advantage with the best fans in the XFL so far. And Jordan Tamau showing that he can be a multi-dimensional threat gives them such a great balance in their offense. They're going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, The Dragons struggling that first half was just painful. Brandon Silvers just playing like he didn't even have a pulse. But B.J. Daniels, when he came in the game, business picked up. The team was fired up. They had a chance to win this game. They they made it, what was turning into a blowout, into a very good game. So BJ Daniels, it wouldn't surprise me if if Jim Zorn names him the starter. Also a little bit of controversy with Jim Zorn. Uh, when they were down 20-16, uh, to 16, they opted to go for the three-point play instead of just the one-point uh, play to make it 20-17 to 17 within a field goal. When they were talking to him on the sideline, you could tell he was confused and I think Jim Zorn struggling right now trying to run the offense. He really needs uh, offensive coordinator Mike Riley back who is out due to personnel re- uh, personal reason. So hopefully he'll be back soon because they need him. But a sign of life with the Dragons and they might have a new quarterback this week. Well, the first game on Sunday in the XFL was the battle for Texas as the Houston Roughnecks went into Dallas to take on the Renegades. And P.J. Walker, he's been the standout performer so far, but Dietrich Nichols' two interceptions helped set the tone as the Roughnecks ended up getting a 27-20 to 20 victory. Landry Jones in the first half, actually in the first quarter, intercepted three times and then fumbled in the fourth quarter and allowed Houston to build its lead up to seven points. Edmund Robinson sacked Jones for a loss of eight yards in the fourth and jarred the ball loose and discovered the ball, picked it up, took it in, and ran it for the touchdown and ultimately sealed the victory. So Landry Jones, he did recover from his bumpy start uh, after the three straight interceptions. But in the fourth quarter, of course, went down, scrambling for that first down on that fourth and one. He injured his left knee, uh, and it's the same knee that he hurt during practice in January. And he went down after his two-yard run, walked off the under off the field under his own power, but was visibly limping as he went to the sideline. And right now they're thinking Jones might be out four to six weeks. Uh, former AAF quarterback Philip Nelson entered the game, got the Renegades into position for the potential go-ahead score, but on second and goal from the Roughnecks' three-yard line, Flynn Nagel dropped a pass beautiful interception by Demarcus Gates. He reacted quickly. Beautiful play by Gates. And it ultimately led to the victory. But Dallas did do a good job keeping Walker in check. The Houston quarterback uh, still did just enough. He threw for 239 yards, two touchdowns. Ran for uh, 17 yards on five carries. And uh, that tells you how good the P.J. Walker is playing. He throws for 239 and they say that's keeping him in check. But Overall, the Roughnecks now remain the only unbeaten team in the XFL. They're 4-0. They're going to be traveling to take on the Seattle Dragons in Seattle. The Renegades slipped to 2-2, but Jones' injury really overshadows the result. Dallas will, all, will need a new starting quarterback for Week 5, and... Potentially for the rest of the season so potential huge loss for the renegades and Landry Jones and as a former uh well not a former a current huge Pittsburgh Steeler fan of course Jones was our backup quarterback for a couple of years uh, we hope he gets well soon and in the final game of the week it was the biggest upset and it was an upset that both myself and Joey Shaw called the Vipers despite going in looking. Basically like they didn't have a hope at 0-3 start to the season. They looked anything but hopeless on Sunday. Tampa Bay dominated from the start in a 25-0 victory over the D.C. Defenders handling uh, handing the Defenders their second straight blowout loss. D.C. Lost by 30 the last time out against the Wildcats and now lose 25 to nothing to the Vipers. And the Vipers, they set the tone on defense, which you know, defensive coordinator Jerry Glanville. I'd love seeing him back on the sidelines. Uh, he held the defenders without a point. He bottled up Cardell jo- Jones. And earlier in the year, remember after week two, we were talking about is it Jones or Walker? Who's the MVP of the league? And Jones, 9 of 22 passing, 72 yards, zero touchdowns, and an interception. And Pep Hamilton's got to be wondering what's going on with his offense. Uh, Running back Donald Pumphrey, only 34 yards on the ground, And it was just a impressive defensive showing from the Vipers. And Taylor Cornelius showed that he's improving a lot, 24 for 31. He's the quarterback for the Vipers, 211 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And he also uh, runs one into the end zone. Uh, DC was no not just having to account for Cornelius' throwing, which uh, left some lanes open. And then the running back, the two-headed beast of Devion Smith in. And- Patrick in the backfield. Smith had 122 yards rushing. Patrick 108. The first team in XFL history to have two 100-yard runners. And now the Vipers improved to one and three and look to keep their momentum as they're going to take on the also one and three Los Angeles Wildcats. While the Defenders dropped to two and two and now they're looking. They're going to need to bounce back against. What a team that some people are saying is the best team in the XFL, the St. Louis Battlehawks. But oh my, how far has DC fallen? So now we go into week five, halfway through the XFL season, and a lot of questions to be answered. You know, the 4 0 Roughnecks are currently 13 point home favorites uh, taking on the Seattle Dragons. Could that be a potential? potential for an upset. Uh, Can the D.C. defenders end a two game losing streak at home with the uh, Battle Hawks coming in that are looking incredible. So a lot of uh, tough picks this week, but we'll go ahead and run through them real quick. Uh, Seattle taking on Houston. And I'm going to pick Houston. I think Houston's offense is rolling right now with P.J. Walker. I think the Dragons are going to be pretty competitive. I think they will probably cover the spread. I think B.J. Daniels, if he starts at quarterback, that's going to be a game-changer. But I think the Roughnecks are just the team to beat in the XFL. Uh, along with them, I think they own the uh, the West just like St. Louis is owning the East. Uh, the next game, the Guardians and Renegades, and I think that's really a pick 'em game. The Guardians. Uh, it's going to be interesting if they bring back Matt McGloin, or if they're going to start Luis Perez. The Renegades, now without Landry Jones, are going to go with their uh, backup quarterback, Phillip Nelson. I'm going to have to go with the Guardians. I think their run game is too much. I think if the Renegades had Jones, I'd pick them. But with Jones out, I just don't have enough confidence in Phillip Nelson. Uh, The Battlehawks go to D.C. to take on the defenders. I'm going to pick the Battlehawks. I think their running game, I think Tamau, I think even not having the 30,000 cheering fans that they're they're used to having, they, they look great when they beat Dallas earlier in the year, and they gave Houston a run for their money, and I think that earlier matchup between Houston and St. Louis might end up being what we see in the championship. So I'm going to go with St. Louis over D.C. And the final game, the Vipers and the Wildcats, that's a pretty even pick em, uh game. But I think the Vipers fighting their running game, they got Cornelius that's making some plays. Jerry Glanville has that defense just pumped up. And the Wildcats just can't seem to get out of their own way. And on paper, the Wildcats should have just run all over the Guardians, but they didn't. And they struggled against the running game in New York. So I can see you got two 100-yard rushers from Tampa Bay. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay for my uh, pick of that game. It's time for our final segment the good, the bad, and the ugly of the week here in the XFL. Uh, the good of the week, I'm going to go with the St. Louis Battlehawks. They got the biggest crowds that they're drawing, the biggest attendance. They're putting butts in seats every 18 inches, a uh, huge fan base, but they're delivering on the field. They're throwing Samoa and Jordan Tamahu another big game. And the running game, the defense, everything Coach Jonathan Hayes has that team believing. And they're definitely the best in the East. Uh, Roughnecks still probably the best in the West, but the Battle Hawks are just tearing it up. So that's my good for the week. Bad for the week, the Wildcats. They fell to 1-3 with their loss against the Guardians. But on paper, they should have defeated New York. And that is a loss that's probably going to come back and haunt them. Uh, New York, of course, their team was imploding. They changed quarterbacks, bring in Luis Perez. Josh Johnson moved the ball up and down the field, but they just made some plays. They just could not score, and on paper, the Wildcats should be a top contender. Instead, it looks like they're a pretender, and the ugly of the week has to be the D.C. defenders' offense, Poor Pep Hamilton. After week two, we were saying, hey, it's going to be the DC team and Houston are the two best teams. Well, Houston's still one of the best teams, but my how far has DC fallen? And when you look at it, St. Louis has stepped up their game. And now with a victory, if St. Louis can pull off a victory, they're going to go to 4-1 and one if they can win this weekend. And it's possible the defenders can fall to 2-3, and three, down two games in the East. That's going to be tough to make up in a 10-game season. So that's my ugly for the week. But, again, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, thank you so much for everyone who's been tuning in. Uh, make sure, please uh, reach and leave us, leave us some feedback, leave us that five-star rating, and subscribe to the podcast podcast we have a new episode coming up every week Uh, of course i'm over in oklahoma city i'm on the road i was attending the uh clippers they were taking on the oklahoma city thunder i was attending that game so that's why joey joey shaw couldn't be on the show with me so that's why i'm doing this solo but guys thank you so much for all those that have supported us and hey continue to support the xfl go on to xfl.com get an xfl t-shirt get your favorite team shirt um also share this podcast uh help us get the word out about the xfl and feel free to you can uh, send us any messages private messages on the twin lake sports network let us know what you want to cover or hey you might want to be a guest on the show and uh or you have a question you want to ask feel free to message us on the twin lake sports network on facebook and we might answer your uh question right here on this podcast But from myself, David McBee, and Joey Shaw, who couldn't be here this week, uh, make sure this next week, go out and do something nice for someone. And remember, your tomorrows are never guaranteed. Uh, Have a great week from us here at This Is the XFL 2020.